Hey, I'm Lauren Dukeman, one of the hosts of the Compel podcast. Today, I am here with my co-host, Leslie Dirksen, who's going to be sharing her story with us about how she got involved in missions and how she has seen God's faithfulness in every season of her life. So welcome to the Compel podcast, how ordinary women spread the gospel story. Thanks for joining us today. I'm Lauren Dukeman, and I'm here with Leslie Dirksen. Woohoo! Well, Leslie, I'm really excited to interview you today. Are you ready? I'm ready. <laughs> uh, I just want to tell you, Lauren, it's actually really hard to condense a few decades of your life into a few minutes of conversation, <laughs> but I'm going to try. And before I ramble on and on about myself, I just wanted to say how very encouraging it's been to work with you and to interview women on Compel Podcast. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Even this last week when we had an interview on Wednesday, I just went away so blessed to hear um, other women share their story, their part in gospel spreading work. And it just blesses me. And I can't believe that I get to do this. Yeah. It's it's really cool really fun. And there's just so many truths about God and and his word and just missions that we can talk and talk and talk Mm -hmm. about. So I'm hoping that as the year goes on, we'll have more time to share, but I've had to really condense it. So (laughs) I just thought I would highlight my story and just tell you some of the things that God is taught me and is still teaching me. Mm -hmm. So cool. Yeah. Well, Leslie, how did your story into missions begin then? Well, I just want to ask this question back to you. How do you process death? Mm. And that's kind of how my story started. Overseas, death is a lot different than it is here. I mean, obviously, it's still very sad and overwhelming when you lose a loved one. But overseas, it is a little different, and every culture processes death differently. So I was 15 years old, living in Liberia, West Africa. I had a very close friend named Sarah who died in childbirth, and Sarah was probably in her early 20s. She already had two children. So this hit me really hard because um, we had formed pretty good friendship and I loved visiting with her and her children and Sarah wasn't a believer she did Mm -hmm. not have a chance to hear God's message and her baby died I don't know if it was a result of maybe medicine that she had taken but this baby was not her husband's and so it became a very big deal when she passed away and so did the baby and Mm -hmm. Because of these circumstances, the family found themselves fighting over where to bury Sarah. It was very shameful for them to pick a spot there in the village to bury her because of this situation. And so they were fighting. They were yelling and screaming. And all the while, Sarah was in the coffin. They had the baby between her legs and... You can imagine the hot African sun was just not helping the situation Mm -hmm. at all. And 
I just remember sitting there just really, really sad, not knowing what to do and how to help them. They needed to figure this out. And so by sunset, they finally decided, okay, we're going to bury her here. And I was just so relieved, you know, just after a long day to get that over with. But Sarah went into a Christless eternity, and that just really, really was hard for me to see them lower her casket into the hole in the ground. And and as the sun was setting, I remember hearing someone begin to sing a familiar song in Liberian English, and it was, When We All Get to Heaven. And I just remember looking at all of them and thinking, Sarah didn't know. She didn't know Christ. I don't understand why they're singing this. But it was just a formality, a song that they had heard, and they really didn't understand. And it was at that moment that God really impressed on my heart the need for Christ to be shared to all people and that I could be the one to be involved and that I could. And so that's what I did. Like that was the beginning of my story into missions. Wow, what a beginning. I know. So that was the beginning. How long have you been serving with Ethnos Canada now? So officially almost 24 years. I know. Don't laugh. (laughs) I'm old. So we finished the training. I won't tell you how old I am. (laughs) Yeah, so we finished the training with Ethnos in 1995, and we went to the field of Guinea, West Mm -hmm. Africa in 1996. Um, We spent 13 years in West Africa and three years in PNG. Wow, so cool. yeah, um, those years I would never trade. I'm gonna cry. Oh no, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> now we know why other people cry when <laughs> they're Aww. interviewed. But um, yeah, I wouldn't trade that for anything. And I really believe that God used my parents' um, willing hearts to go overseas um, to really impact me and. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I think, yeah, that is so cool that your parents' willing hearts to go overseas was one of the main reasons why you got involved in missions. Like what a testimony to your parents mm-hmm. and your parents. They're really cool. But yeah, can you share then a little bit more about your family and about yeah, yourself? For sure. So I'm the firstborn in my family. I have two brothers and they both live in the States with their families. And um, when I was 10 years old, I gave my life to Christ through evangelistic meetings that our church was having. Um, Specifically, our church was showing films on um, the Left Behind series and the Cross and the Switchblade, which are both stories of Christ's redemption and his second coming. And my 10-year-old self was so scared to die (laughs) and so scared to be left behind after watching these films. And I just remember one evening I prayed and I believed what Christ did for me on the cross and taking my place and I placed my trust in him and I knew that I no longer had to fear death mm, yeah. or be left behind. So that was a big year for me because not only did I get saved at the age of 10, but my parents were challenged into missions when I was 10. So... We literally sold everything we owned and we went into full-time missions. And my dad was on the first team 
the Destination Summit team to Bolivia. And your mother-in-law was also on that team. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> and that's like a short-term mission yeah. trip that we used to have with Ethnos Canada. But it, that's I don't right. know if they have yep. them anymore. They have yep. different things So now. this was in 1980. We have a family connection. <laughs> we have a connection. And so, like I said, we my parents sold everything, went um, into full-time, full-time missions. Before we actually went to the field of Liberia, we went to a couple of countries. We went to Bolivia again. And we also went to Brazil, and you can imagine as a preteen how exciting it would be to travel. And I could go on and on about all these fun stories, but um, we traveled down the Amazon River for three days in a houseboat. That's cool. So fun. Um, We swam with piranha and freshwater porpoises, (laughs) and we ate alligator tail, and so many cool things. So I think... That's where my love for traveling came in Mm -hmm. and um, visiting new places and cultures. And even though I have a fear of flying, I've been actually to every continent except Antarctica. Whoa. So maybe someday. Yeah. I don't know. And I've crossed the Atlantic Ocean 27 times by plane, which is crazy. Yeah. When you think of me having a fear of flying, but... Anyways, (laughs) Anyways, <laughs> man, that's just a cool, just like, what a unique and just incredible childhood. Swim in the Amazon and I know, fly right? across yeah. the world. Like, wow, yeah. that's really cool. But when did your husband Pete come into the picture? Yeah, so that's a really fun story. I won't go into all the details, but when I was 22, um, I married a German-speaking Mennonite man <laughs> who was born in Paraguay and raised in Bolivia on a farm. And it's kind of a long story, yeah, but he met my family in Liberia when he was on a short-term missions oh, trip. My word. <laughs> um, so God was working in his life um, about missions and and he was interested. So he Did you meet in Liberia? No. Oh, so okay. he actually was on a team. I had already left for Bible school. Oh, okay. And so he met my family. and saw my picture on the wall, which is pretty funny, (laughs) and was asking about me. But that's kind of how, as far as it went. Um, I actually really think that he and my dad negotiated a bride price for me long before I even knew he existed. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Anyways, long story short, my mom sent me some pictures of this tall, dark, and handsome man standing on a termite hill. And (laughs) there was a couple guys in the picture, but she put on the back, Pete's the one in the red shirt. Do you still have this photo? I have this photo. No way. Yeah. (laughs) And I fought it for a while. I was really like, I can find my own husband. Thank you very much. I can look for my own man. But um, after a while, like, yeah, nine months later, we were dating and now we've been married for 27 years. Wow. It's crazy. That is I so know. cool. Yeah. So we both desire to go overseas. And that's really, I think that's kind of what brought us together. Mm-hmm. You know, our interests were the same. And he had an interest in missions, reading missionary biographies, mm-hmm. um, living in the Mennonite colony in Bolivia. He didn't want to lose his English mm-hmm. and his ability to read and speak because he mostly spoke German or Spanish in Bolivia. So he read all these missionary biographies. Wow. 
I in know. English. Yeah. In English. That's cool. And it really gave him an interest for missions. And um, it actually, a lot of the stories had the gospel in them too. So mm-hmm. he got a clear message of the gospel. So he his dream was to become a missionary pilot. And um, he did get his private pilot license. But it, yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. I didn't know he he can fly a plane. Yeah. That is so crazy. But he didn't take it any further just because he really didn't want to go through the all the hard schoolwork. Mm. <laughs> but um, the funny thing is, is that one of our first dates, he took me up in the plane over Steinbeck. Um, that's where we started dating mm-hmm. was in Manitoba. And I never told him that I was scared of flying because oh, I just no. wanted to be with him. And I wanted to just like enjoy the things that he loved. And so I was terrified to go oh, up. Here's our first one of our first dates up. And he thought it would be pretty funny to stall the plane. Oh, no. And so we were up there and he just stalled the plane and we started twirling and going down. And oh, my word. I was like, <laughs> so terrified. You went on another date it, with this guy? Yeah, I did. <laughs> I did. Oh, I'm glad was, you did. Yeah. Anyway, so yeah, I think eventually I told him that I was scared of flying Mm -hmm. and he's like, well, we won't do that again. (laughs) (laughs) So being an MK was really cool for me. I loved being an MK and I think I figured everything I needed to know about living overseas was already like in my experience of being an MK. Like Like I just, yeah, I could do everything (laughs) and I was super adventurous and Maybe I was a little overconfident and I think I went to the field like with like a reckless abandonment, like just let's do this. Mm. I can, you know, superwoman and super missionary. And I just like had this dream of learning the language quickly and having these amazing relationships with the people and just getting along with my coworkers Mm. and them be family and just loving the heat and you know, just everything. The list could go on and on. And it didn't happen that way. (laughs) And God just chipped away at my old self. And even before I got to the field, I landed in the hospital with kidney stones. Mm. And we were in language school. And $10,000 later, we had this, you know, huge debt. And I had missed all the classes on oh. phonetics and all, like grasping all those concepts of living overseas and medical treatments and culture study. Mm. I missed so much of that. And I just, yeah, that was really hard for me. And mm. it was a hard way to start off going to the field. But I really think that God was just teaching me from the very beginning, like slow down. Your strength is in me, mm. not just you alone. And I'm going to provide for you. I'm going to take care of that bill. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to take care of you wherever you need to go. And I always look back on that. I really do. I always look back on that very beginning days where we owed so much money. We actually sat, when we got the bill, we actually sat in the kitchen and just laughed. (laughs) We're like, this is just so like $10,000 to us was just- yeah, only God can get you out of that, I know, right? right? Like, and he did. <laughs> That's so cool. Yeah, he totally did. Yeah. Yeah, he provided for us and got us to the field. And yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's so cool to see God's faithfulness to you in 
providing for your funds, but also just mm -hmm. your your character. I guess like, you know, I'm making you more reliant on him. Like that's him being faithful in yeah, that right. too. So that's really cool. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I'm guessing he covered the cost because you and Pete did go on and you served as overseas missionaries. Mm -hmm. So yeah, switching gears there, like what areas or roles did you have in missions? We always have been in a support role. We learned French first um, when we went to Guinea for the first year. When we went to Papua New Guinea, we learned Pidgin English. Mm -hmm. So um, initially, even though we were in a support role, we did learn um, the trade language mm -hmm. of both of those countries. Our first ministry was to be dorm parents to 12 children at our mission school. And that was very overwhelming for me because I had just two little kids. Mm. And I thought, how can I be a mom to these kids? I haven't even raised kids. I don't even know. But it was just amazing. The kids were amazing. They were wonderful kids. And we had a very good experience. I was the guest house hostess for eight years on our center in Hamdalai. And um, when we moved to P&G, I was also a campus hostess, which I really loved a lot. And I loved working with the national ladies and building relationships with them. I will... Sorry, I'm going to lose it again. <laughs> yeah, I will always treasure those friendships. And um, yeah, they became like sisters to me for mm -hmm. sure. So I really... I really loved being guest house hostess mm. and I felt like it suited me and I could use my gifts to the fullest in that I just loved making people feel welcome and comfortable and I loved um, decorating the guest house to make it look pretty and just a place where people could retreat to. Mm -hmm. So I really, really enjoyed those years of doing that. Um, Pete built missionary homes in probably almost all of our tribal locations, mm. which was a wonderful thing for us because living on our center, we were able to go out and visit with Pete while he was out there building the missionary homes and just feel a part of what was going on in all our tribal locations. And so I think some of our funnest memories as a family would be going out to um, the village and just hanging out with the families, walking mm -hmm. through the village, meeting the people that they would eventually share the gospel with. It yeah, just was that's cool. Really, really cool. I just loved it. Another aspect of our ministry was hosting teams. We did have a lot of work teams and vision teams come to mm -hmm. the field and just interested people um, wanting to help out and wanting to learn more about missions. So it was our ministry to receive them, to host them, to take them to town. Mm -hmm. I remember one day I had the ladies all lined up in the yard to get their hair done by my African friends. Oh. <laughs> and um, they got their hair braided before they left to go back to Canada. Oh, and wow. we just had so much fun. I think that was the day that the back stove blew up and, and my hair caught on fire what? and my eyebrows were on fire. Oh, my word. <laughs> and I remember like trying to <laughs> bat off the flames on my hair 
<laughs> and running to the front of the guest house and all the ladies were lined up getting all beautiful oh with God. their hair done. And I was like, my hair was on fire. And I was like, no what? <laughs> Anyways. Um, crazy. Yeah. But I just loved having the teams there. I love seeing their interest in missions and, and their part in supporting us. And I'd love to take them to town. That was, I love bargains. If you, oh like man. Bartering? Bartering oh, yeah. and bargains. So I would take them to town and I would try to get them the best deal, the coolest stuff. And it just made my day. <laughs> so to this day, hands down, going bargain shopping is one of my favorite things to do. Mine too. (laughs) Some of our listeners may be wondering, oh, what does, you mentioned a guest house. Like what does a guest house hostess do? And how does that, you mentioned a little bit, but can you expound a a little bit more about how does that role support taking the gospel to unreached people groups? For sure. Um, Basically a mission guest house hosts missionaries who are traveling into the country, um, out of the country and when they are coming in from the tribe. So mm. basically it is like a and b Every guest home is different on every field. The details of how they run and, mm. and what they offer probably vary. Our guest home did not offer meals. So missionaries would come in bringing their own food and having to prepare. We often would have some of the village ladies mm-hmm. cook, but we had it set up so that the missionaries could have a place where they could come in if they had medical needs, mm. if they needed to come in for meetings or just for a break. Mm. So they and, had bedrooms for yeah. the kids, for adults, and a kitchen to cook in. And mm-hmm. I'm guessing it was probably like a common area, yeah, like a home away from their interior home. Or, exactly. Yeah. And even when teams would come, we would host them in the guest house, people visiting the field. It was a... It was kind of a transitional place too, because mm-hmm. people coming out of the tribe could go to the guest house and just regroup, mm-hmm. pack, get ready to leave, and go back home. It you know before they needed to get to the city and mm-hmm. stuff. So it really was a place where they could go. Besides, mm-hmm. you know, like I don't know where else they would go. Like that yeah. was the place. So I just really loved, like I said, receiving them and um, making them feel comfortable and at home. And I just loved it when it was full. Yeah. And I just, yeah, I would always go over there and visit with the missionaries, find out how they were doing. Um, Sometimes I would have them over to our, our own home. Yeah, I just really, really enjoyed that ministry. And as far as how does that have a part in the gospel, It has a huge part because if your missionaries aren't well taken care of on the field and they don't have a place to rest and get away, then that just slows down the work. Mm -hmm. Missionaries would come out who just needed a break from language study or just needed some time um, even to see the doctor or if they had kids in the dorm to, to visit their kids. And so it really was a restful place for them to recharge so that they could get back to the f- tribe mm-hmm. and and do their work. So it it really was a big part of them hearing the gospel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the that's tribal really people. Cool. I keep saying that's really cool. Now that's <laughs> my phrase this whole yeah. thing. <laughs> I'm going to find something else. Hmm. I'll say it. Yeah, it's a huge part of 
the big picture of seeing a mature church plant. So yeah. Yeah. And in P and G, I, like I said, I was the hostess there on the interface campus Mm -hmm. and I love doing that because we had these little cabins. Um, I would go in there with the work ladies and we would clean them and get them ready for the students to come. And throughout every cabin, I would pray for these students. Because mm. Interface is like a, a summer... It's for be? college students yeah, to come learn to come. about missions, right? Exactly. So they're coming for a short time. And so you're praying for these people, like, yeah, yeah. maybe they'll be the next missionaries. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And they're interested. They, they want to learn more about missions. And so we would go through these cabins and I would just be praying for the, for the students and thinking about how the six weeks ahead of them was going to impact their life. And yeah. I just really enjoyed that as well. The cabins obviously weren't as uh, dolled up mm-hmm. or pretty as a little more rustic yeah very rustic <laughs> not as retreaty <laughs> yeah but the setting was gorgeous in the mountains oh man and... I've seen pictures and yeah. I well yeah you know I, I applied to go there so okay yeah I don't know yeah. the same I don't know maybe it's the year you were there I should have gone I, I know. could have met you <laughs> so yeah so you had different ministries over the past couple of decades <laughs> Uh, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> what were some of yeah the, just the joys and also some of the challenges that your family mm-hmm. had? Yeah. Wow. Like I said, I wouldn't. I'm gonna cry again. <laughs> I wouldn't trade it for anything because of um, what God did in our hearts. Yeah. During those years, we raised four kids, mm. and together we kind of laughed because we. Um, it's not funny, but we did battle a lot. Um, we battled uh, malaria, stomach bugs, worms, cuts and concussions and sprains <laughs> and weird African rashes and broken bones. And I don't know. I just look back and I think of how God just held us so close mm. during those times. And some of them were scary. We didn't really know how to treat some of the ailments that we had. And of course, having malaria was, you know, very hard. But God just was so faithful and giving us wisdom on what to do and how to treat our kids. And living in Guinea, we lived honestly among the most dangerous and um, venomous snakes Mm -hmm. in West Africa. And God just kept our kids safe. They, They ran and played outside every day and many, many years. And I always had a rule. I told the kids they only could climb a tree halfway because the green mambas and the Mm. black mambas like to live in the tops of the trees. Mm. And so I was like, you can climb trees, but only go halfway. I just can't believe I said that. I don't know. (laughs) Instead of like, don't climb the tree at all. (laughs) I know. But God just took care. And on the bright side of things, our kids just loved growing up overseas. And they adjusted very well to another culture and language and climate. And we honestly created very special memories that up to this day, we still fondly talk about. And our annual Christmas at the beach was always just a highlight. (laughs) And I mentioned before, just visiting friends in different tribal locations. And one year we got really brave and we thought, let's do a garden. And so beside our house, we built this humongous garden. And my 
my friend Hawa helped us. And yeah, it didn't go very well because we brought seeds from Canada. And mm. I, all the stuff that she planted that was used to African soil flourished, but yeah. our little squashes didn't the do too good. Didn't like no, the heat. <laughs> it didn't. But those were really good memories. And yeah, and Aww. living at yeah. Interface was probably uh, just probably one of the biggest highlights of living overseas Mm -hmm. and um, we just really really enjoyed Papua New Guinea and our ministry there and our kids were just loved and welcomed into the community and like I said before we really got to meet um, some students that just really encouraged and impacted us and a lot of them now are in missions and so we just really thank God for mm. the time that we had to spend there. And yeah, so when I was thinking about this interview, it was interesting because there's just so many way areas that you could talk about. But mm, yeah, it was kind of fun because I remembered that I had some diaries that I kept from the field. <laughs> and I literally like went through them all and yeah, one night wow. and it just like a blast the past. Yeah, <laughs> it was. And it just was so amazing to see God's faithfulness written mm-hmm. on those pages. And honestly, some of the entries weren't very nice. No. <laughs> <laughs> just because I was so honest and yeah. I just really wrote down, I don't know, what I call my confessions mm-hmm. on paper and things that I was you know, learning and going yeah. through. And I I, th- I think I must have thought it was very important to write it all down and just to process it. And mm. I just look back at some of the young, some of the things that I was learning, like my younger self. Yeah. And some of them was really encouraging and other things were just hard. Like, mm. it, you know, just hard stuff. And I was encouraged to see that a lot of the things that I had written down came with a prayer. Mm. I would pray, write my prayer out at the end of the entry. Often I would write a verse out that was meaningful to me for that week or that day. So it was pretty fun to look back on. And one of the entries that I had written, which I think is super funny, but it must have been relevant for for that time, was titled, Do I Have to Be Wonder Woman? (laughs) Like and a superhero? Yeah. <laughs> super mom, super woman. And I think I must have really struggled with feeling like I didn't measure up mm. and all the demands that were on me were overwhelming. Yeah. Like it is overwhelming to to be a mom and mm. all like to expectations work o- yeah. for yourself or that you think other people have for you. Yeah, and, and to yeah. be in full time ministry and just everything that comes at you on the field mm. and so I had written this entry, do I have to be Wonder Woman? Mm-hmm. And um, I think there was times where I just really ne- needed to listen to God's voice and not what was rattling around in my head. And so I just wrote down a few things here. I I just needed to be told to be a woman who reflected God's glory and that he was the source of my life and my strength. I needed to trust God's sovereignty and love and care Mm. over me in every situation. 
I needed to be content to be me and that God made me unique and that I didn't need to compare with others. Mm, Yeah. That was just a huge thing for me. I think sometimes in missions you look around and you think that what you do is so small and you forget that God made you unique. God made you you. And to just not look around, like stay in your lane Mm. (laughs) and just do what you do best, obviously in God's power and strength, to let go of unrealistic expectations. That one was a huge one for me. Mm. I had huge expectations. And so just going through my day and realizing that those interruptions, those things that happen were sovereignly placed in my Mm -hmm. day and that I needed to just go with that and not get all flustered about it. Forgiving and being gracious to myself, to my family and to my coworkers. And Mm -hmm. that was huge. Just accomplishing like the little things like the grunt work that sometimes we do and just realizing that that's holy work too. Mm -hmm. If you have little ones around you and you're feel like all you're doing is changing diapers and feeding and chasing kids around, that's what God has you doing and you need to do it to the best of your ability. And Mm -hmm. I look back on those days and I remember thinking, Oh, this stage is never going to end. And it did. It did end. And they're grown up now. <laughs> I know. Not in diapers. I know. And just looking back on those days and realizing that, yeah, you need to cherish those times mm. because they're, you're not. It's not going to be your forever. And God has you right where you're at in that mm. season. And yeah, it's like living in the moment. Yeah, and just being faithful. Yeah, yeah, step by step. Yeah, and to teach our children of God's love and His character. You know, like they're they're in need of discipleship just as much as the people that we're going to reach. And so, and then just to be thankful. There was so many times where, you know, I just was not thankful. Mm. Poor me. I didn't get any packages or I didn't, you know, get a chance to have a break or whatever I was feeling. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> and not... Just not, just not being thankful. And mm-hmm. so a thankful heart just really does go a long way. Yeah. And it puts this life back into perspective too and aligns with the work that God wants to do in our hearts mm-hmm. and just keeping in eternity in view and just realizing that Jesus is worth it. Mm-hmm. This will just be a little part of our life, yeah. really. Well, you're saying, yeah. you know, raising your little kids, like that's that. That went by so fast, and just thinking, yeah. well, our time on earth, like it's just a little stage in our eternity, like it's gonna be gone before you know it. So yeah. what a yeah, what a great reminder. Yeah, and so on this entry, I had also written probably one of my favorite verses in Lamentations three, uh, twenty two to twenty six, and it says, "Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for His compassions never fail; they are new every morning." Great is your faithfulness. Mm. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait for him. The Lord is good to those whose hope is in him. To the one who seeks him, it is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. 
And I have to say, I think that's God's solution for Mm. (laughs) what he calls a wonder woman, just waiting on God Mm -hmm. and, and knowing that he is being faithful in your life. Mm -hmm. So do you think like looking back and reflecting on your ministry and your life, like, is that, is that the aspect of God's character that is just shining through or is there like, yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's so many aspects of God's character and maybe I'll get a chance to talk about some other aspect Mm -hmm. on a different episode, but I, yeah, God's faithfulness. I can just see his working throughout these years and I'm super humbled to see how he's been so faithful when I've been so unfaithful. Mm -hmm. And I know that his faithfulness will continue as I look forward. And some days I am actually scared of the future because I don't know what's going to happen. Obviously, I'm not Mm -hmm. God, but I can rest in his faithfulness. I can rest in what he has for me. I don't have to be all nervous or uptight and I would yeah just continue to um, encourage women to rest in his portion that he has for you Mm. to rest in his faithfulness and be faithful for where you're at Mm -hmm. well thanks so much Leslie that just the testimony Mm. that you shared and just of God's faithfulness in your life like yeah, that's just amazing. I love seeing, hearing these stories so much. And it's been so fun and just encouraging to work with you. And I'm so glad we finally got to do this, even though it's, yeah, interviewing one another is yeah interesting. <laughs> it is it is a little interesting. Um, now we know how other people feel yes. in mm-hmm. front of the mic and just sharing their stories. But it's so good to, again, be reminded of God's faithfulness in our life. And yeah. I... I always say never lose the wonder of the gospel. Mm. The gospel has changed our lives. And the women that we're interviewing, it's changed their lives. Mm -hmm. And then they're able to recount how the gospel has changed others. And it's just an exciting, exciting, exciting way to serve God and Mm -hmm. to be involved in, you know, the great, commission and yeah yeah well yeah because that's what we're working for we want people to know god and just know how faithful mm-hmm. he is because right now they're living lives where yeah they're it's godless mm-hmm. but to be able to share within the gospel so that they too can see god working in their life and yeah that's just yeah. something we want to work for thanks for having me today yeah thanks for being here leslie <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening today. I hope you enjoy getting to know Leslie through hearing her story. You can follow us on Instagram at Compel Podcast. And we also wanted to wish you a Merry Christmas. Until next time.